The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, Crosswinds offers 18 championship holes in a beautiful, tranquil setting nestled under the Niagara Escarpment. But Crosswinds is more than just great golf. The food is sumptuous and plentiful. The banquet facilities are exceptional. The service, second to none. And the people there will make you feel like you're a member of a private club, even though Crosswinds is a public golf course. That's right. Read my lips. It's a public golf course. Book your tea time online now. Check out their fall specials. Visit crosswindsgolf.com for more information. Trust me, you will love it. And when you get there, don't forget, tell them Hebsey sent you. Now let's start the podcast. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number, and this was a tough one, Pavel Dimitra, <laughs> Kurt Schilling, George Rogers, Rick Aguilera. Yeah, I know. I don't know George Roger, Rogers. Running back. Okay. Good and a good one. <clears throat> uh, South Carolina, I think he went to. But anyway, um, yeah, that's a weird, like, not a, not, a, not a lot of, like, great number, you know what's. Right. You're going to have to figure that one out. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher, alongside Toronto Mike. Today, we're celebrating the New Year's edition of the show. All right? Shana Tova. It's the Jewish New Year. It's Rosh Hashanah. Shana Tova, Mike. Should you be working today? a good question years ago i would not i would be in synagogue at this very moment i'd be praying i'd be waiting for them to bring out the shofar the ram's horn to blow it to signify the beginning of the jewish new year which this year on the jewish calendar is 57 six, oh, i don't even know what year it is i don't even know i mean i know we know it's 2019 but it's not that important we don't jews don't walk around going hey what year is it it's 20 whatever 57 something or whatever it's a lot of years a lot of years but anyway i digress or do i really uh, it's a, it's the New Year's edition of Hebsey on Sports. Now, today on the show, if you're expecting some sort of an apology from me regarding statements I made from the last podcast, you're going to be disappointed. I will not apologize for telling the truth or giving my feelings about certain members of the sports media and the hiring practices of certain big media corporations. You know who you are. In fact, I wonder how many more people Rogers Communications will let go between now and next baseball season. I hope the answer is none, but I get the feeling that the bloodletting will continue. And with hockey season starting, what will it be like without Nick Kiprios and Doug McClain and John Shannon commenting? And are we going to see more women on the telecast? Are we going to see more people of color on the telecast? Are we going to see more, can I say marginalized people? Is that correct? <clears throat> can I see more non-white guys? Non-white straight men. Non-white straight men. That's right. 100%. And what about, what about Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler? Will they be back on the Blue Jay telecast next year? Will they? I don't know. We're going to talk about that. I also won't apologize for the play of the Buffalo Bills, who had a chance to beat the Patriots and go 4-0 but failed miserably, and it might have cost them their fine young quarterback, Josh Allen. Also, are the Toronto Maple Leafs going to name a captain this week or wait until the Captain Underpants story dies down a bit? John Tavares is is uh, is Captain Obvious. He's he's wait he's waiting <laughs> he's waiting for the call. He's just you know, John. We want you to be the uh, captain. A big day for Canadians on the PGA Tour. Bianca Andreescu wins for the first time since the U.S. Open. TFC inches closer to the playoffs. That's TFC. Joe Madden is available if the Blue Jays want a real manager because after 162 games, this baseball season is mercifully over for Toronto fans, or at least what's left of them. Mike, just 25,000 fans on hand for the final game of the 2019 baseball season. Uh, the Dome was open. The Jays were down 575,000 in attendance from 2018 to this year. And in two years, they've lost 1.5 million 
fans at the gates at the Rogers Center. One and a half million. For perspective, this is the largest drop off in Major League Baseball yeah. for the second year in a row. That's two years in a row. So, and this is a team where, you know, Mark Shapiro at the beginning of the year says, ah, we'll be in the middle of the pack in attendance. Well, of course, Mark Shapiro proved, along with Ross Atkins, that they, they just don't know their market. They, they have no idea. And one of the reasons that they might have thought that the team would be in the middle of the pack would be, you know, situations where, like on Victoria Day, where they would actually play Vladdy Guerrero Jr. And actually, you know, they knew that what important days there were. You could look at the calendar this year and say, all right, these are our key days. Any holiday Monday, if you're at home. You got to pack the place, pack it. Opening day, closing day. When the Yankees are in town, when the Red Sox are in town. And that's it. You look at the schedule, Yankees are here, should be sellouts or close to it. Red Sox are here, should be sellouts. Opening day, every holiday Monday, there you go. But it didn't work out that way. No, no. Jays won 8-3 over Tampa in front of, yeah, 25,000. And uh, the Tampa Rays are headed to the American League wildcard game in Oakland on Wednesday. The Jays finished at 67-95. and 95. And even though they didn't lose 100 games, and a lot of people are like, hey, they didn't lose 100. Hey, it's good news. They didn't lose 100. That's a success. That's bullshit. They lost 95 games. They looked terrible. Some of the best games that they played or some of the greatest performances individually took place during losses. Right. That, that bunt by Kevin Biggio, that dub, bunt double, they lost that game. Rowdy Tellez hit a grand slam and a loss. I mean, Well, the highlight was the <clears throat> home run derby, which doesn't even count. Jeez, you know, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think. It's so long ago. I know. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, Remember of course. the team was playing terrible, but Vladdy was just hitting balls all over the place? It was the Blue Jay highlight <clears throat> of 2019. It was. And, and the irony, of course, is he won the, uh, he didn't win the home run derby. He finished second, right? No, he, did he win that? Okay. He lost. No, he finished he lost second. He ran out of gas. I think he ran finished out of second. Gas. Right. So, and I believe that was the last home run he hit. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, think about it. Can he, we talk about that? Because you and I on this show talked about we would be very, we would be happy if he got 20 home runs. We said we said that if he had 20 home runs and hit 250, that would be an okay rookie season for a kid that just turned 20 years of age. He hit 272 with 15 home runs. So what's your analysis? Are well, you happy with the Vladdy nothing. season? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. I mean, considering his age and considering the hype and everything like that, uh, they certainly rested him enough. He didn't play the last few games of the regular season. He got a lot of rest, but he still... I mean, you know, unless you've played that many games in a season, you're going you're gonna to fade near the end of the year. And he's only 20. And also, he had to learn to play third base at the major league level. So the balls that were coming at him were hit a lot harder than they were in New Hampshire or Buffalo or in the Dominican League. So, And that hype for Vladdy was so off the charts. Yeah. Uh, you know, if that was... We expected, not we, but the uh, royal we expected him to be an MVP candidate. Well, not really. Come on. Well, it depends which well, that's uh, when you get sources hyped. you were but that's reading. What, exactly. But again, you have to consider the source. Is this, you know, was the source somebody that like likes to hype everything? Or realistically, did people honestly say, Vladdy Guerrero is going to tear up Ameri uh, American League pitching? I don't think so. I don't think anyone said that. I think I read it in several places from some pretty, uh, pretty good sources, but I can't cite them right now. But uh, there was definitely an expectation yeah. uh, that he would perform better than uh, 15 dingers well the home run numbers mean nothing of course especially nowadays in major league baseball it doesn't matter the guy hits line drives he is a line drive hitter he does not have an uppercut swing i mean i can think of i can't think of all of his home runs certainly i can forget about the home run derby but he didn't seem to me the type of a guy that had that launch angle you know but didn't it change throughout the season like the beginning i'm agreeing with you it was like he'd hit it hard but he'd hit it down and then as the season progressed the, he, he got he into up, the uppercut, but, but not as hard. 
Yeah, I still think he's a line drive hitter. He's a gap hitter. I mean, I think he's, I mean, look, can he, could he hit 50 home runs in a season? Sure, if he wanted to hit 50 home runs, but I'd rather see the high batting average. I don't want to see a two thirty like Randall Gritchick hit like 230 yeah. with 30 some odd home runs. Right. Give me a guy that hits 40 points higher. It doesn't, I don't, he doesn't need to that as many home runs to me. And like you said, get on base. This is, uh... yeah, on base average is pretty good. It was almost 340. Not bad. Look, again, 20 years old. 20 years old. He's been playing pro ball how many years? Three years of pro ball? If. I mean, come on. This is the Mejor League. Oh, I'm not uh, <laughs> disappointed. Uh, I just wondered if others might be based on those numbers and yeah. based on the hype when he uh, right. joined the Major League Baseball. The other thing is, is that was he protected in the batting order? Did he get to see a lot of good pitches? Or, you know, was he the type of guy that, uh, you know, got a little over anxious because, you know, he, he wanted to hit the ball because that's, that's what he's being paid for. He's a hitter. And maybe not walk as much, maybe not selective uh, as selective at the plate. Look, again, 20 years old, right? First full major league season. You know, and what happens if he suffers the sophomore slump next year? What if him and Biggio and Guriel and, and Bo Bichette hit the sophomore? It happens. Guys have great rookie seasons. Well, then Pitcher, we get our 100 losses. Pitchers figure <laughs> out how to pitch to them, right? Okay, had a good rookie season. We'll figure it out because usually, usually what happens is pitchers figure out hitters, especially good young rookie hitters. And find a way to find their flaws and stuff like that. So what happens if two of the four guys I just mentioned have, have slumps in their second year? What's going to happen with this team? Anyway, the Jays finished dead last in all of baseball and hitting. Dead last. 30th. They hit 236 as a team. Their team on-base percentage was 305. That's 27th in the league. That's not going to cut it. So those numbers have to improve. The pitching has got to get a lot better. Even though their 4.79 ERA was good for 21st in all of baseball. Uh, Vladdy Jr. sat the final few games, didn't hit a home run over the last six weeks of the season. But again, 15 homers, 69 RBI, and a 272 batting average. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, and considering he's only 20, and he got plenty of rest during the regular season, and he had to learn how to play third base, which I believe he's not going to play much more third base. I don't think that the Jays are in a position where they can teach him that position so that he'll be an adequate third baseman. First base, yes. Like, but they like, have a glut of, like, DH slash first base. I know, I know. I, I'd, ra I'd rather see Vladdy at first base. Make him like, uh, like Miguel Cabrera. Like, a lot, of, a lot of guys, a lot of corner infielders started to... Look at Edwin Encarnacion. Very serviceable first baseman. Nothing special, yeah, right? Yeah. And the reason they had Justin Smoke those years was as a defensive replacement. Because if you remember, Justin Smoke was not a key player in those 2015 He's a platoon with Colabello. Right. He was a platoon guy. And if Edwin played first base, and, you know, he, he would sit out. So... Um, I would say Vladdy is a, is a first baseman. Even though he says he doesn't want to, he wants to be a third baseman, I'd, I'd rather see him play first base. I, I hope they groom him as a first baseman. Uh, Bo Bichette came onto the scene like a hurricane. I don't think anyone expected him to even make the major league roster at some point this year. And, you know, he was fantastic, of course. And then <clears throat> now he's under concussion protocol still and has got the entire offseason to rest up. He's not playing in the Arizona Fall League. So hopefully he comes back, you know, stronger than ever. But he was, he was sensational. Um, Started like a hurricane, downgraded to a tropical storm, and then finished the season sort of as a gale force wind. He had 311 in 47 games, could turn out to be the model leadoff hitter if he can stay healthy. And I'll use those words a lot, if he can stay healthy. Baseball, it's a long season, a lot of travel, a lot of pain on the body, especially if you're playing on an artificial surface like in Toronto. It's hard. It's very, very tough. And guys will tell you, anyone that played a number of years on artificial turf, it takes its toll way more than on natural grass. And I mean, how many places have artificial turf? Like two? Us in Tampa? Is that about it? Is that is that all now? Wow. I, I think so. I I'm trying to think. What? Who else has artificial turf? Like, we're really the Skydome was built in '89, and never it was like state of the art. 
And now it's old. Yeah. Now it's past its prime. Um, <clears throat> so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we've got... Um, we've got... Um, Teoscar, well, we've got Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who I think was uh, was terrific as long as he was healthy, but he only played 84 games, multiple injuries, demotion to Buffalo. Kevin Biggio, to me, was the best player of them all. He played only 100 games, second on the team in walks with 71 behind Justin Smoke, who had 79 walks. Finished the season, Biggio, with a 29 straight game uh, streak of reaching base. 29 straight games. Which is the Jays' rookie record. Phenomenal record. <clears throat> and, and one of, and in fact, in the history of Major League Baseball, Certainly among rookies, one of the finest rookie seasons when it comes to on-base percentage, which was 360-something or other. Uh, and uh, I thought he was terrific. Played great defensively. Looking forward to him having a full season next year. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. I just don't know. I'm not sure. And even Charlie Montoyo yesterday, when asked about him, uh, well, we could always get uh, outfielders uh, via free agency. What? What did you just say? <laughs> you, you, what? Because Teoscar's one of those feast or famine guys, and so is Randall Grichuk. It's either a home run or it's a strikeout with these guys. Right, they're very similar. You're right, you're right. They are. The, the, the position that I like the best, that I'm most impressed with, is catching. Uh, I really, really thought Reese McGuire was way better than I thought he was going to be. And, and again, he only played in about 30-some-odd or 40 games. Uh, and Danny Jansen struggled. But defensively, both of them, I think, have a great, we've got a great future here. Could be Buck and Ernie revisited, but much <laughs> younger. But much younger. Um, Justin Smoke. You know, I know he was a veteran guy, and I know he got the standing ovation, and a few tears were shed and stuff like that. But I'm sorry, I was never really impressed with Justin Smoke over all of his years. He was a fine and adequate first baseman. He had a hitch in his swing where they could defense him. He only hit like two. Th I mean, in his career with the J. Wait a second. Actually, I got the info. I wrote it down here. And keep in mind, a lot of this is how much him and his wife, they embrace the community. Yeah, which is lovely. It's he's wonderful. Classy that's guy, great. beloved. Great. But that's a big part of it. Only too. the good die young. And nice he's a holdover from the uh, long time era. You know, it was uh, it was yeah. four years ago today. Yeah. The Blue Jays clinched the AL East. Yeah. Was he a big part of that team? No. Not but he was, you know, Colabello right. and Smoke. Colabello. That's a good one. Um <laughs> So Justin Smoke. So I'm looking, I'm going, wow, everyone, they got, you know, there's tears being shed and a standing O. And of course, everybody, including Rosie DeMano, writes about what a great <laughs> guy he was in the clubhouse. Right. And like, how many wins was he worth, was he worth this year because of his clubhouse presence? None? Uh, not too many, well, he no. He was great, quiet, you know, wonderful. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, well, he wasn't that great a player, but he was a big influence in the clubhouse. You, you know how they talk about guys like that? Like, he, you know, you look at the stats and you go, sure. yeah, but you can't just tell by the stats what kind of an influence. Like Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. That was, you know. What kind of influence does he have in the clubhouse? And I'm thinking, really? Like that, like that much? Where it's like, you know, he, uh, we know you're not playing well, Justin, but, you know, just seeing you in the clubhouse, eating your sunflower seeds and <laughs> drinking your Labatt Blue, that's enough for us. Come on. So here's Justin Smoke's numbers. Now, folks, I know he got a standing O because he was the longest-serving Jay because Kevin Pillar is gone and everyone else is gone from that team. Stroman's gone. Stroman's gone Sanchez and Sanchez is gone. gone. So he was the last guy. Like, once he leaves, that's it. Everybody mm -hmm. else has only been here for a couple years. So Justin Smoke, as a Blue Jay, a 236 batting average, 795 OPS. That's really not very good for a, a power-hitting first bay or for a corner infield. Right. 117 home runs, 318 RBI. Uh, 117 home runs, none of which I believe was a game-winning home run. You know, maybe I have one. So really, that's you know, hard to he was do. Okay, so he was okay. He was he was less than adequate as a hitter, and he was above average as a fielder. In the postseason, he never had a hit. He was 0 for 10 in his postseason career. <laughs> wow. And he, like you say, he platooned with Chris Colabello or right. Edwin Encarnacion at first base. 
Yeah, defensive replacement. Yeah, right? it was a defensive replacement. Right. Late in kind of a guy. Yeah. And there you go. And but I think if you're, say, if you're a classy guy and you are a holdover from an era that many of us are still looking back, we think of the bat flip or Edwin's walk-off right, in the wild card. But like nobody's going to remember He Justin reminds us of that. Guy. But no one's going to remember. No, no one's going to list. When they <laughs> list that team, they're going to go, Josh Donaldson, um, Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, Troy Tulowitzki, Justin Smoke. Russell Martin. Russell Martin. Justin Smoke. No, they're not going to mention Justin Smoke in the same breath. They're just right. not. You're right. You're right. You're right. So be up there with Ben Revere. So yeah, exactly. So good, uh, great, wonderful, and all that. Standing O, and then you know, like I said, I'm looking at the lifetime stats. He wasn't. uh, I guess he was the best of a bad bunch. I don't know, but like good for him, and I'm I'm sure he was a nice guy, and wish him the best of luck. But he's no longer a Blue Jay. And then there you go. I didn't get up and ch- I, I wasn't at the game yesterday, but I I don't know if I would have gotten up and given him a standing ovation. I think you would have. I think you would have given him a, just a nah, thanks for your no, years of service. No, we'll I don't you. think so. No, okay. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I would. I mean, uh-huh. you know, he got paid very well. That was the other thing too. Is oh, we got Justin Smoke. You know, it, he's a good bargain. Whatever he was, seven and a half million a year. What, like, was he? Was he a good bargain? Was 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 that the way we look at a guy? Oh, for the price that the team is paying, what good him, value. He hits two thirty six. I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. Uh, Pitching-wise, boy, you know, tough to find pitching on this team after, you know, even with Stroman and Sanchez gone, they didn't do much at all. Trent Thornton led the team in innings pitched with 154. He won six games. He's your your ace next year. Right. Nobody won more than six games on this team. You know that, eh? Six is the most. No, I didn't know that because I kind of tuned out in August. So, all right. So, what am I talking to you for? <laughs> um, but anyway, Trent Thornton was your best starter, and he was a rookie. So that's got to tell you something about this team. Matt Shoemaker went down early in the year after a couple of great starts. Ryan Brookie, I don't think he pit, did. He pitch it an inning. A big question mark this year. Anthony K, Jacob Wagenspuck, TJ Zoik are serviceable young pitchers. Not the kind of guys that I think the Jays want to build their staff around. <clears throat> Good complementary pitchers, pieces. Might be starters, might be relievers. We have a lot of fifth starters on this team. We do, don't we? We have an, we have an excess of fifth starters on that team. <laughs> and if you include guys like Sean Reed Foley, who was a bust, and Wilmer Font, who was an opener, whatever the hell that is, right. <clears throat> you really only have a guy like Ken Giles, who was sensational this year and completely flew under the radar because the Jays never really, they didn't win that many games. So there weren't that many high leverage situations for Giles to come in. But he was exceptional this year. And I didn't hear one person say, geez, we miss Osuna. We really miss Roberto Osuna. No, not one, not, not one person at all. Not no. one. So they need they need pitching. They need experience. They need to hope that these young guys will develop and improve, and hopefully not regress, which will happen with young players. And um, <clears throat> having said that, I can hardly wait for next year. My, age, I, well, <clears throat> I don't know if I, I I just next year. I'm thinking, you know, imagine these guys with one more year under their belts. How much better can they be if the Jays go out and get a couple of I don't know, like, uh, you know, a uh, Clay Buckholz type of guy. Maybe Clay Buckholz comes back. I don't know. I have no idea. But, I mean, if they were going to spend some dollars to get, like Charlie Montoyo said, maybe a free agent outfielder because Teoscar Hernandez and Randall Gritchick are not the answers. Guriel, yes. He'll be fine. Okay, tell me this. Do you think that uh, Atkins will go out and uh, get some uh, expensive no. talent to improve this team? No, no. Next year they'll spend But less. you're still excited. They'll spend less. Yes, because I want to see the development of these guys who are, who are under team control. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? I thought your jersey. What was it? Forty-two years of. Te- all, I can't remember. It's the, all uh, about line team anymore. control. Forty-two right. years team control. It's all about <laughs> team, and that's what the Jays will have next year. Every guy will be under team control. There. I mean, I, I don't think there's going to be any contracts that I can think of off the top of my head that are going to be. Oh, we've got to re-sign this guy, or right. It's all going to be team control. 
you know, you know, some guys will be eligible for arbitration, and that kind of thing. But an extremely uh, young team now, especially with smoke on. But the average age is going to be I don't know, right? Twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I don't even know. Pretty something like that. <laughs> um, and now I hope that the Jays do something about their manager. And, and you know, this is uh, an interesting thing. Joe Madden's available. The Cubs. He's not going to go back with the Cubs. They didn't make the playoffs for the first time since twenty fourteen. He's sixty five years old. He's an old white guy. I get it. Blah blah blah. But he's a baseball genius. And I'm thinking, you know, <clears throat> could you blow the could you blow the manager up after one year and bring in Joe Madden, knowing that next year would be very tough, but the years after that could be those could be the halcyon years when these kids are all in their mid twenties, and Joe Madden's your manager, and he went through the one the first year like he did, you know, the first year with the team where all right, you know, these I'm watching these guys develop, but I like the type of ball that they're playing. They're playing Joe Madden type baseball. Could you do that? Could you get rid of Charlie Montoya after one year, bring in Joe Madden, sign him to a four or five year deal? This is the Babcock thing. <clears throat> sign him to a four or five year deal and hope that as these players develop, you've got a, a first rate manager. You're right. It is like the Babcock thing. Because we were terrible for the first uh, year of Babcock, sure. and we knew we would be. And right. that would be the same case here. Right. And the same case being also is that the manager has to find a way because he's in the toughest division in baseball, just like the Mike Babcock had to find a way because he's in the toughest division in hockey, which we'll get to in a minute. Mm -hmm. How do you not only put a good team together, but a team that's playoff ready, that can win in the playoffs if they get there and, and knock off you know, obviously getting the playoffs is tougher in baseball, but knock off teams in your division, Boston, the Yankees, and Tampa, or right. Tampa and Boston in the NHL's whatever, what, what division are they in? The Norris division? Nor What's Northeast? North, what do they call it? Is it called Northeast? the Northeast division? Yeah. See, I, I, Norris, I still call it the Norris. Oh, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> well, why? I can't, because they keep changing the name. Because Detroit <clears throat> was in the Norris. Is it the Campbell no. Conference and the Wales Conference? No, 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 Does no, that no, not no. exist anymore? No, no, no. Is it long the East, gone. It's the East and the West, right? It's the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, there, but a long time ago. Is there a Bing? Is there a, a Bing Conference? <laughs> There's anyway, still Lady Bing. Remember, they're you know, changing the name of the conference. Anyway, so I think that but I would he? like to see the Jays go after Joe Madden. I really think that if you're going to tell your fans that you, you want to win, okay, you want to win, and your projection is we're going to win in 2021. And 2022 and 2023. But Hebsey, last, we've been doing this show a long time now. And I remember you wanting the Jays to go after the biggest free agent on the market last, uh, last winter. I did, Bryce Harper. Right. And you were very vocal about that. And of course, of course it didn't happen. There was no offer made by the Jays for Bryce Harper. They weren't going to spend that kind of money. Why do you think, like, do you think this team would ever bring in Joe Madden right now? Yeah, because the team has to take on the personality of its manager. And with all due respects to Charlie Montoyo, I just don't see him developing as a manager at the major league level with the young team. Like you've got to have a guy. And I question a lot of Charlie Montoyo's moves. I mean, a lot of them I just don't understand. Now, we discussed, did this come from management? Did Ross Atkins say, Charlie, you're going to play this guy and play that guy, and you're going to sit flatty on Victoria Day? Or was it Charlie? Was Charlie just happy to be in the major leagues with a gig, right? <laughs> Even though it's a, with a bunch of young guys. Does the fact that Charlie speaks fluent Spanish have enough, um, uh, make the decision of Ross Atkins and uh, Mark Spiro to hire this guy? Let's develop the younger players, the Lourdes Gurriels and the Vladi Guerreros, guys who don't speak much English at all, if at all, and make sure that they're comfortable in a situation and then say, okay, we don't need you anymore, Montoyo. We need a guy that's going to make this team win. We're going to get a guy who doesn't wait until the 155th game of the season to bench a guy for not running out of ground ball. We're going to get a guy who on day one says to the players, if you don't run out of ground ball, I don't care who you are, you're sitting. Right? Because this team was undisciplined this year. Right. Undisciplined. And a young manager, first year in the major leagues, who's got to balance things, has got to be able to say, I don't care 
I don't care if you're the number one pick overall. I don't care if you're Baseball America's top prospect. You don't run out ground balls. You sit. And I, I don't think Charlie Montoyo had a handle on disciplining his players the way he should have. He had to stop that stupid sunflower seed thing in the dugout, too. Like a good manager, a Madden, for example, said, all right, guy, you've had your fun. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you've had your fun. You're high-fiving each other with home runs. We're getting our asses kicked nine to four. Right. Let's act. You want to win? Let's win. Yeah. And let's act like winners. Everything's fun Not when like you're winning. And when you're losing, it's all kind no. of annoying. And uh, It's annoying. Exactly right. But if you're winning, it's okay. It's now, okay. Hebsey, yeah. uh, you opened with Jay's talk, and that was very thorough and yes. excellent. I got to ask, uh, can I now change the topic? Are you, we done Jay's yeah. talk? No, no, we're done with Jay's. Okay. <clears throat> so, I don't know. A couple yep. of months ago, you said some controversial things about Serena Williams uh, when she quit in that Rogers Cup what, final. What did I say that was controversial? That she was faking injury in, to, to not give uh, Bianca her uh, moment to win legit. Yeah, more or less. I thought she was really bitchy in the way that she uh, bowed out of the Rogers Cup and did not allow uh, Bianca undress. And you to, thought she was malingering, to, malingering uh, symptoms. I, well, I thought, I, I thought this. I thought if every other player in tennis took, would take advantage of a five-minute rule that everyone takes advantage of, and that is um, for a medical timeout during the finals at right. the Rogers Cup... Why wouldn't Serena Williams at least say, yeah, I'll take the five minutes. Even if she knew she wasn't going to continue, take the five minutes, give it the college try, appease the fans that are there in Toronto uh, and, and uh, you know, watching on television. Would she have done the same thing in the U.S. Open? Had her back been bothering her like that? Would she say, I'd like to take a five-minute medical and see if I can gut it out? And I was convinced that she tanked at that particular point. So, whether, so whether she was hurt badly enough, but we all knew that she wasn't going to play the following week in Cincinnati and she was going to get herself ready for the U.S. Open. And the delicious part of it was she got herself ready and played fantastic and still lost to Bianca right. in the U.S. Open. So, yeah, I said that was... that Was that controversial? Uh, yeah, so I, yeah. after yeah. that, I Not a big fan that. of Serena because of that. She's a great player. <laughs> I know. Great player, but as a human being in a situation like that, no. Now, okay, Classes. so that was a while ago now, and uh, I fielded like, it's kind of like these people telling me, like, uh, not upset. Yeah, I, some people are upset. Good, you, you I take, hope they are fine. upset. I but hope they are. fast forward to last Thursday, okay? Last Thursday. Uh, we were talking about big changes at the Fan 590. Yeah. And you made some statements, and in during, I mean, I listened back because I started getting... Why did you listen back? You to, were there to, when it happened. Because I just wanted to hear, like, how did I respond? What exactly did you say? Like, it was... I felt I needed to make sure... So you were, people were accusing you of right. things I didn't remember you doing. So you were listening to hear what you had to say and well, how your you reaction and I, was on the show. You and I. You were critiquing Not yourself. yourself. You were critiquing I was yourself. Curious, uh, because did, I, I was, did I really agree with him there? Now did listen, I disagree with him? This is very serious because I was getting... Uh, there were accusations serious. flying around. Okay. All right. You said off the top <clears throat> that you're not going to apologize for anything you said there. Is no, there is there anything no on further <clears throat> reflection? Maybe no. you were looking at a fire in Muskoka and you thought, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Do you have any regrets what not you said at on all, Thursday? Not at all, because what I said was the truth, <clears throat> right? I said the truth, and that is, uh, in this day and age of political correctness, um, there are opportunities for people uh, and for companies to take advantage of political correctness by ensuring that, the, that any criticism that might come their way about uh, lack of diversity can instantly be fixed when you... By diversifying your roster. Correct. Whether diversifying your roster means you've got the best people for the job. Mm -hmm. and, and you ask anyone in any business, ask anyone, if they're doing a job interview, right? Do you want the person that's most qualified for the job, best person for the job? Or would you like someone that has the potential to be the best at the job? Potential, if you're in business, 
That person with potential is not going to help you pay the bills. The person that can do the job is the person. So if I said to you, Mike, you're mm-hmm. going to hire someone new. Yeah. You can't see who this person is. Mm-hmm. You're only going to you're only going to look at their uh, their their CV uh, um, via uh, email. You're not going to know what they look like. You're not going to know what their background is. I'm not even going to give you their name. I'm right. only going to give you their qualifications. And you're going to match up qualifications of six different candidates, not knowing what they look like, what their gender is, the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, right. whether they're white, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick the best candidate for the job, correct? Correct. Every time. Because you're in business. You're not going to pick someone, oh, that person looks like they've got See, potential. See, what you're describing is ideal because it means you won't hire yourself. This is the knock is that uh, managers are typically, managers have been mm. uh, older white gentlemen mm. and therefore uh, have hired themselves, if you will. Well, sure. People, like listen, mirrors listen, of listen, themselves. The way life works is you are, everyone is most comfortable with people of, that have similar backgrounds. Sure. That's the way we are. We live in neighborhoods where... You know, if you live near your temple, your church or whatever, it's because you live in an area where you're comfortable because everyone else, mostly in that area, has a similar background to yours. Right. Correct? Right. So if you're in business and you're a salesperson and you happen to be in sales, you want the best salesperson on your sales staff. Yes, regardless, regardless of Regardless. Right. Regardless. So, and what I'm saying, yeah. and what I said the other day was, I'm not sure that the people that were hired, okay, are the best qualified people for the job of morning show host on a major market radio station. That's what I said. Right. So you said that, and you're very clear, and you've... Uh, I thought so. You're still clear. Yeah, you were clear, there okay. was, obviously. So uh, I guess you got some on Twitter for sure. Yeah. But uh, I, I noticed it was almost like people wanted to like escalate this to somebody, some some yeah. some higher power, if you will, being in like the Toronto sports media people and stuff. Did you see that? They were... I saw tweets CCing them to let you know Hebsey said this. Uh, you know, Mark Hebsher from well, Sportsline just said this. Because nobody says anything controversial on the standard airwaves anymore. No one. It was like, shocking to hear because well, I mean, no one No says one that. does, right? Right. I mean, they don't. Bob McCowan's gone. He's on, not on the airwaves anymore. Uh, Greg Brady's not on the airwaves anymore. Don Chariot's probably his last year. Nick Kiprios isn't on the airwaves anymore. John Shannon's not on the airwaves anymore. Doug McClain's not on the airwaves anymore. Uh, Darren Millard's not on the airwaves. Paul Romanuk's not on the airwaves. Greg Barry, Zahn. Barry Davis isn't on the airwaves. Greg Zahn's not on the airwaves. Jerry Howarth isn't on the airwaves. Jerry Howarth wouldn't say the Cleveland, you know what, baseball team's name. Right. So it's just sort of systematic because what it is is that, look, we can't afford this controversy. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Now, some of them were more controversial than others. Glenn Healy, for example. Right. Glenn Healy would say stuff. Oh, you can. So I don't have to worry about stuff like that. Damian I, Cox. Damian Cox is another excellent example. So I'm not, I'm not looking to be, to fill in, to be that guy. I've always been that guy. Right. I've always been that guy. And if anyone wants to take me on with regards to, oh, you said that Scott MacArthur only got the job because he was gay. No, I didn't say that. I said, Scott, would Scott MacArthur have gotten that job had he not come out as a gay man, as a reporter, uh, a month earlier or something like that? Would, would, would people know who Scott MacArthur was? And like, I know who he is. You know who he is. We're, we're sports fans. We've listened to him on TSN 1050. We listened to him on the Jays pre and post game. But my wondering was this. Scott MacArthur had always wanted to be a baseball announcer. He had said that all along. I want to do baseball. So, so when they came to him and said, Scott, we think you'd be perfect for the fan morning show, was he in a position to say, well, I don't want to do the morning show. I want to do baseball. That's why I'm doing the Jays pre and post game. 
And maybe someday I'll be in the booth with Mike Wilner and Ben Wagner or doing Buck and Tabby's job on television with Dan Schulman. He wants to be a baseball announcer. Ashley Docking wants to be a basketball announcer. I can guarantee it. She loves basketball. She knows basketball. She's good at basketball. And if an opportunity came along to be part of the Raptors broadcast team, I'll bet you she'd jump at it. But again, okay, when it comes to diversity and Rogers communicates, listen, this is perfect. She, you know, they moved her in the morning show with Greg Brady, right? Yeah. You know, they didn't give her her own show between one and four. No, she or got put the her on late Price job. Or put, on, yeah. or put her on on weekends and, you know, let her, you know, let her, let's see how she is as a talk show host, right? And, and again, so was she the best person for the job? I don't know. I don't know how many candidates there were, but I can tell you this. If an opportunity came along for either one of them to get the job that they wanted, Scott MacArthur for baseball, Ashley Docking for, for, for um, basketball, they would jump at the chance. They would. True. But in the I meantime, don't think either one of them said, I want to be a morning show host on, on the fan. I want to do the morning okay, so, show. Uh, two different stories. So, so right. Ashley wanted, she wanted a gig, like a permanent yeah, full-time gig sure, in sure. mainstream media. Right. So I think it's a no-brainer for her to accept this post. Of course. Because she was trying to get in the business. Absolutely. Okay, so that aside. Now, now uh, Scott MacArthur, yeah, if, if and, and again, I haven't talked to him since this announcement mm -hmm. that he got the morning show gig, mm -hmm. but he's, uh, you know, he's 40 years old and this is a, big spot right sure this is a is. drive this is a big morning show is a big deal it is so he probably got a i'm gonna guess and he's a got, bump and he's in got salary a, and he's, and, oh yeah uh, and he's got experience as a talk show host because he had his own show from one to four on uh, on uh, tsn 1050 right so you know and he knows his sports he, not, baseball's his specialty but he knows all sports right which, which any good sports but talk show host i guess uh, has to know has to be well-rounded what bothered me were a couple of people tweeting at me to say they're they're not going to listen anymore because of the hateful comments from mark hebsher right. at which time i that's when I reviewed everything and thought to myself, no, you're not like some people think if you say, oh, Scott MacArthur only got that job because he's an openly gay man. Some people think that might be homophobic. There's actually nothing homophobic in that statement. I'm trying to defend you here. And I was doing it on Twitter all weekend. That's why I wanted you to address all this, because yeah. some people don't read beyond the headline and dig right. into what's going on. They just jump to conclusions. I appreciate the support, Mike. I have to tell you that if anyone wants to take me on about this, that I'm homophobic, uh, you need to know a bit about my background. Am I prepared to talk about that? Sure, I'll tell you this right now. I know about the gay community. And I know about gays more than any of you do because my late brother passed away in 1994 and was a gay man and died of AIDS. It's 1994, so that's 25 years ago. So I got to jump on you there. And I'm well aware of um, the gay lifestyle. Um, and uh, I'm going to go, many of my friends are gay and all that stuff. I, I know what's going on. I get it, okay? I completely get it more than you do. I'm a big supporter of Casey House. I understand what uh, gays go through. But at the same time, I know of people, and I'm not just talking about gay people, but other marginalized people that have used their position to take advantage of a situation. I'll give you one example, and I can't name names. This person was a... Was, uh, not a heterosexual, that I worked with in a newsroom several years ago. This person was not very good at their job at all. They were lazy. They were, they were poorly prepared. And they kept their job because the union could not get rid of them. And their complaint to the union was, I, I applied for that job and I didn't get it. And the reason I didn't get it is because I'm gay. And a whole big hornet's nest was nauseating. And the union had to protect this person. And this person was always going on about the fact that, oh, I didn't get, the, I didn't get advanced and I didn't get uh, promoted because I was gay. And everyone knew the reason they didn't get promoted because they were terrible at their job. I mean, absolutely awful. Lazy <clears throat> and felt entitled. 
and felt that because gays had been uh, overlooked and, uh, and uh, looked down upon all these years, that this should be the opportunity for them to say, no, 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 I need to. So this person was promoted to a very, very high position and negatively affected all the work that was being done at this particular station that I worked at. It was sad, and they could not get rid of this person because they used that card. So I've seen that happen, all right? And I'm telling you, it still goes on. People, a lot of people that are in marginalized positions. And look, you're talking about, I'm a Jew. You don't think I, many times where I was passed over as a, well, how come Hebsher didn't get that job? Well, because he's a Jew. And this, this, this particular place I worked for didn't like Jews. The first boss I had told me, he says, I don't like Jews. I wasn't working there for much longer, knowing that. Right. So, so I think I know a little bit something about discrimination. And now today, I know even more because as a white man, an older white man, I don't have any, I have no background at all to say, hey, you're, that, that was long. I don't have that anymore. I, I'm not, I'm not a female. I'm not a person of color. Uh, I'm not a person with a, a that's a, a different sexual orientation. Uh, I'm not a person with a disability and I'm not young. So yeah, the tables are turned. So I, I got a pretty idea. So my only thing was this. My only thing was Scott MacArthur is an excellent broadcaster. I wish him the best of luck. I've not met him. I hear he's a wonderful guy. But my question was, and still is, had he not come out as a gay man and he was still working, you know, Scott MacArthur doing the pre and post game show on the Jays games, you know, 40 year old, excellent reporter, baseball specialist, would he have gotten, would Rogers have promoted him to the morning show um, had he not come out as a gay man? That's all. That's and, all. You answer the question for me. And what I'd like me. to remind some listeners if they're still listening and they probably <laughs> what do you mean are if they're still because they kept threatening. I'm not listening anymore. Yeah, but you know, so the people that threaten not to listen, oh, listen <laughs> even more. You know that I'll I never listen that. again. And they do now. I just want to point out the, the difference between a, a fact and an opinion and how <laughs> I, I didn't agree with you then. I don't agree with you now, but I'll defend your right to uh -huh. express this opinion. Thank you. This is Mark Hebsher's opinion. That's right. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Scott MacArthur got not. the gig we because don't of know. his sexual orientation. I could be a hundred percent wrong, but no one knows, but, but I this think this is your opinion, but I think he, I think he had a better, I think the opportunity presented itself better to him once he had come right. out as a gay man and, and, and got universal support. And why not? Of That's course. a hard thing to do. And of course, not being gay, I can't imagine how difficult that would be to come out. So he did, and I give him credit for that. But, but did that particular thing, did that accelerate his, uh, or, or raise his profile or his brand or whatever? For sure. Okay. That's it. That's it. Uh, so listen, Rogers Communications. Uh, will uh, Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler be back next year? Will Dan Shulman become the full-time play-by-play guy? Are Hazel May and Arash Madani going to return? Will Jamie Campbell and Joe Siddle still be broadcasting from the Samsung studio? You know, uh, Rogers made a lot of changes on their hockey telecast, which we're going to see this week, starting this week, what it's going to be like without Nick and Doug and John Chan and stuff like that. But on the baseball broadcasts, you know, uh, how, who's going to fill? Hey, who's going to take over for Scott MacArthur doing pre- and post-game on Jay's radio? Does Wilner have a long-term contract? Ben Wagner have a long-term contract? What's the, like, and what are Shapiro and Atkins, how much do they have to say about, you know, the telecast and stuff like that? So I'm interested to see how that plays itself out because, as I was told last week, nobody at Rogers is going to be, is making more than about $140,000 a year. You get a good source on this? A very this? good source on this. They've lopped off all the big, and I mentioned the 14 or 16 or 18 people, all of whom are making in excess of that number. 
Well, well that's not counting Don Cherry then. Who's got that's to right. have one that's final right. round? We're not, okay. we're not counting Don Cherry or, or Ron McClain. Right. Okay. We're not McClain. But I mean, if you go back even to the George, George Strombolopoulos, go back a few years and think of all the money they were spending and, and all the, that they're not going to be spending. So it should be very interesting. And I have no inside information on it. I just know that looking at the past history of Rogers Communications when it comes to their sports casters and their sports properties, the first people to go are the ones who are making the most money. Right. And, you know, I, I don't it's not fair for me to mention names, but you know who I'm talking about. You'll see people occasionally on 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 sports telecast, live sports uh, on Sportsnet. A good number of people. They cover a lot of different sports. How many of them are making a lot of dough and going, geez, am I making too much money here? Because that's what they're doing. And don't don't and don't forget it. Now that Justin Smoke is gone, who, who's good, who's the highest paid Blue Jay? Like they say, <laughs> oh, no, think about this. Giles, they, a million and a half, a million and a half fans they've lost in the last two years. OK. I'm sure Shapiro and Atkins make a nice salary. But after that, who, who in Rogers Communications and TV or radio, who's making big money? No, nobody. And if they are, they better be careful because that's because any bean counter will tell you, get rid of the big salaries. If I may, um, <clears throat> Dan Shulman is uh, Dan excellent. Shulman's excellent. Yes. And worth every penny. And I know he's not a full-time Rogers employee right now. But yeah. if he, let's say he comes in and takes over television. Yeah. Let's say they get rid of Buck, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, Dan's not cheap. So it's not going to cost it. It's not going to save any money. It might improve things, possibly. I think he, there's no one better than uh, Shulman. But, but again, what, what's cheap and what isn't? Again, I don't know. Can he still do his ESPN basketball? In the, sure he can in the offseason. I mean, you know, if, if baseball season, they go to the playoffs and he misses the first week or so of college basketball or, or on the other end, he doesn't get to spring training because he's got college basketball in March Madness. So, so what? He can do both. Can he do 162 Jays games on TV and all that, probably not. That's that's a lot of task for. But he would be my you know number one if they wanted to go that way. Right. If they wanted to go that way. Um, Pete Alonso of the New York Mets hit his 53rd homer of the season yesterday. That's the most ever for a rookie in Major League history. Uh, Aaron Judge had 52 a couple of years ago. Right. So 53. But he also led the league in home runs with 53. And that hasn't been done since Mark McGuire, a rookie leading the league in home runs. He had 49 <clears throat> back in 1987. So good on Pete Alonso of the Mets. I like that. He had 53 home runs this year. Vladdy Guerrero had 15. I wonder who's going to have more career home runs or have a more successful career. Anyway. (laughs) My crystal ball. All right. Baseball playoffs (laughs) are set. Uh, National League wildcard game is Tuesday. Washington Nationals taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, By the way, both franchises were born in 1969. Did you know that, Mike? Washington Nationals were the... Um, Wait. uh, Expos. Days Expo. And uh, the Milwaukee Brewers were the... Don't uh, Seattle Pilots. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, they were an American League team. The late Jim Bouton wrote about them in his seminal book, Ball Four. They moved the, after one year in 1969 to Milwaukee to become the Brewers. There you go. American League wildcard goes Wednesday. The Oakland A's against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Thursday, either the Nats or the Brewers, whoever wins the wildcard game, travels to L.A. to take on the Dodgers in the National League Division Series. The other Division Series has the St. Louis Cardinals on the road to take on uh, the Atlanta Braves. Friday, it's either the A's or Rays at Houston for the American League Division Series. And the other series is the Yankees at home to the Minnesota Twins, who hit more home runs than any team in Major League history this year. They, I think the Minnesota Twins had like 10 stolen bases as a team <laughs> and like 300 and some odd home runs. Okay, it's all about the long ball, baby. Three-run <clears throat> homer. Yeah, so a very exciting baseball playoffs begin this week, begin uh, tomorrow. Who do you like for the World Series, by the way? I think the uh, Yankees. You do like the Yankees, don't you? Well, you know, but I do Yankees feel, or Houston against okay. the Dodgers. Yeah, I was gonna, I was Dodgers gonna say are, Dodgers. Juggernaut. Like, they're a bit like the the Sharks. Like they got a some they got a bit like of, the Buffalo Bills. 
Yeah, they don't choke like your Buffalo Bills. Hey, stop it. Uh, the Maple Leafs appear to be ready to take the NHL by storm again this year. They are the second favorite among odds makers to win the Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the top choice. They are plus 750. And the Leafs are next, second at uh, plus 900, which means if you bet $100 on the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup and they win, you get back 900 bucks. Of course, okay? they, those, that doesn't mean they're... That just means uh, that's the way to extract the most money from the marketplace, right? Like the way they set these odds, and, uh, uh, right? No, no, it's that's who they think. Now, remember, three of the top four teams, uh, as far as odds go, are in the um, Norris Division, Northeast Division. <laughs> Norris Division. No, it is. It's true because the Boston Bruins are the fourth favorite at plus eleven hundred, just behind the Vegas Golden Knights, who are the favorites in the West at one thousand, like a ten to one. So there you go. Um, so the Leafs, uh, and last year they were the favorites for a while there. And let's face it, uh, they could have a fantastic team again this year. They could do, uh, score over a hundred or, uh, gain over a hundred points again this year, like they did last year, even with all the changes that they've made. They open the season Wednesday night at home against Ottawa, travel to Columbus for a Friday night tilt there, back home Saturday to host the Montreal Canadiens. It looks like defenseman Rasmus Sandin has made the squad. He's looked I, great. I, for one, am excited to see this kid. And also uh, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry, Cody, well, maybe not Cody Cece as much. <laughs> and whoever else they throw out there until Travis Dermott comes back from injury. Up front, think of, think of this. Yeah. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Kapanen, Janssen, Kerfoot, Mikhaev, The Goat, Jason Spezza, uh, Trevor Moore. Not bad. You got some firepower. You got some guys that can score goals. But... Make no mistake, if this team doesn't get out of the first round, no matter how they do in the regular season, Mike Babcock will be gone. He I cannot. Agree. He must get them through the playoffs. When does Zach Hyman come back? Uh, Zach Hyman's a couple of months, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the recent success of the Raptors, by the way, puts more pressure on the Leafs to get it done this year. You've got to get out of the first round. Got to do it. And you have to get it done now. No more excuses. By the way, it looks like John Tavares has become captain obvious for the Leafs. It's only a matter of time before the club anoints him with the C on his jersey. I'm assuming the club will make the announcement uh, in the next couple of days. Check your phone. Maybe it happened already. <laughs> Rather than letting the players in the room decide who their captain should be. Although I think if the players in the room had a vote, they would vote for John Tavares. I well. think so too. Okay. Um, how's this for an athlete's name? Cameron Champ. Right? 24-year-old won the Safeway Open Golf Tournament yesterday by one shot over Canada's Adam Hadwin after shooting a final round 69 at the Napa, California Silverado course. That's the north course, by the way, Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam Hadwin's final round 67 looked like it might give him a, a tie and a shot at a playoff, but Champ rolled in a four-footer for birdie on the final hole and dedicated the victory to his grandfather, who is suffering from stage four cancer oh. and is in a hospice. Real teary, uh, very sad and uh, bittersweet, I guess would be the word there. Canadians did very well in this tournament. Nick Taylor finished at 11 under par and a tie for 10th place. Corey Connors and Roger Sloan both finished at minus 10. Yours truly shot an 86 the other day at Crosswinds. Wow. And I urge you to check out this beautiful golf course while the golfing is still good. It looks like, and I looked at the Farmer, Farmer's Almanac, October is going to be beautiful. Um, looks like it's just going to be a great uh, fall. So uh, get out to Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. It's in fantastic shape. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Book your tee time online at uh, crosswindsgolf.com. I didn't wear my Crosswinds uh, baseball cap today I'll, uh, because in honor of the Blue Jays and the Leaf season beginning and all that, but I will wear it because it's a nice cap. And finally, I have one that fits my head. Oh, good. And Do you have a big head or a small head? I have, what a, we big, I have a big, big, <laughs> big melon. Big, like almost as big as Bruce Boshi's head, who, by the way, retired <laughs> as the manager of the uh, San Francisco Giants. Bruce Boshi has the biggest <laughs> head in the history of Major League Baseball. Tied to, oh, in baseball. No, yeah, his cap, his, yeah. his yeah. cap was bigger than any other. Like, I think wow. whoever makes the caps. There's a new era <laughs> makes the caps. Said that the, his is the biggest. Like he's like a, got an eight and a half lid, oh. <clears throat> like a big bucket there. 
And Ty Domi would be up there for sure for hockey. I just remember his head was enormous. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He's got a big head. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, Bianca Andreescu won her first round match at the China Open today, early this morning. Her first appearance since winning the U.S. Open earlier this month. Uh, and uh, Andreescu will compete in the WTA Finals, which pits the top eight singles players in season's point rankings against each other in a round-robin tournament. Wow. That's pretty heavy stuff for a girl who won three tournaments the, this year. Quite the rise. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the tourney will take place in uh, Shenzhen, China from October 27th to November 3rd. If you're hoping to watch it on regular TV like TSN or Sportsnet, eh, you're out of luck, Canada. There is no contract with the WTA among Canadian TV stations. You've got to subscribe to DAZN to see the action, which I did. This, I can't believe I did. What does it cost? I don't know. It cost me like I think 140 bucks for the year. So what is it, $10, $11 a month? And you watch like your that? Spurs, like your Tottenham. Yeah, but also NFL. That. I watched yeah. all NFL yesterday on my phone. I was up at a cottage, and I'm like on my phone. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm watching Red Zone on the NFL, so I'm watching all the NFL, any NFL game I can get as well, and uh, tons of other stuff. It's great. I mean, I'm, look, I'm not here. I don't get paid by DAZN, so I'm not... So you should, though. <laughs> Week four in the NFL season saw the Buffalo Bills lose 16-10 to the New England Patriots in a game they, they could and should have won. Quarterback Josh Allen got knocked out of the game while trying to run for a first down. He was clobbered by Patriots corner Jonathan Jones on a helmet-to-helmet hit. Bills head coach Sean McDermott said that Jones should have been ejected for that hit. It was pretty vicious. Mm. But, man, if you're a quarterback, I'm sorry, man. you got to slide. Don't be going in there with your head up because they're going to take a shot at you, and they did. Uh, and so Josh Allen is now in the concussion protocol. But even before the hit, he was not throwing the ball well. He completed just 13 of 28 for 153 yards and three interceptions. Bills now 3-1. and one. New England moves to 4-0 and oh, despite a subpar performance from Tom Brady. England's first touchdown was a blocked punt. Oh. A blocked punt. I blocked two punts in my high school career. Broke my finger on one of them. Because I, 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 when I extended my hands, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to cross your hands over. So you've got like some, so if the ball hits your hand or whatever, you've got like your wrist, you've got something there. Gotcha. And I, I went like this with my, I went like this with my hands out. And the, the punt, the punter, the ball hit me square in the baby finger. Ah. And just bent it like right, right back. Pinky. And then the ball fluttered and fumbled and we ended up recovering and scoring a touchdown. But so I blocked two punts in my career. It's not easy. And and the offense has really got to screw up for, to allow a block punt, which the Bills did. I don't know. It's like, you got him. No, you got him. And then the guy rushed right in and blocked the punt and they scored a touchdown. on it. So I don't like seeing that. Uh, TFC, speaking of soccer, were we? Uh, Tottenham Hotspur managed to win actually on the weekend. Thank God. Over Just South be Africa. glad I remembered the a name ten, of your team. A 10 man win. They had, yeah, they got their uh, surgery. got ejected in like the 27th minute. They had to play with 10 men. I just know but that's a team that has a hurricane. Hurricane. That's right. Uh, TFC earned a 2 2 draw at Chicago yesterday, and that one point kept them in sixth place in the East. So it looks like they're going to play Philadelphia Union, the third place team in the East. And that in the playoffs, and it's a knockout. It's a single knockout. It's not a home and home. It's not a best of three. It's a single knockout game. And, and we're on the road. We'll have to play in, likely in Philadelphia. Okay, it's so tough. not going to be easy, but, but they're playing well. They've gone, I believe, nine in a row without a loss, you know, in all competitions. Let's all make it 10. In all competitions. <laughs> uh, the NBA G League will introduce a new single shot free throw line procedure for the upcoming 2019-2020 uh, season. This according to ESPN's Zach Lowe. So the amount of points the foul shot is worth will be based on the infraction preceding the free throw. Right. So, for example, if the shooter was fouled on a two-point shot, the foul shot will be worth two points. One foul shot worth two points. If the guy tries a three and is fouled, he gets three. That He doesn't get three free throws. He gets one free throw that's worth three points. Interesting. Okay? It's just to speed things up. Right. And foul shots uh, taken after a made basket, you know, that's known as an and one, will still be worth one point. 
So the so not three free throws, not two free one free throw worth two points, one free throw worth three points, or one worth one point. So the rule change represents an attempt, as you say, Mike, to cut down on game length. The G League will revert to traditional free throw scoring and rules in the final two minutes and overtimes. But oh. G League head of basketball operations, Smart. Brad Walker, told ESPN he believes the rule will shave six to eight minutes off the average game. Now the average game in, in basketball is like a little over two hours. So here they are, they want two and a half. No, 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 no. It's about two ten or two fifteen. So they want it to they want it to be like right around two minutes, two hours. Like that's it, two hours, and your half and your fifteen minute uh, half time or whatever it is. Like in and out, baby. Like soccer, let's go. Right. But baseball is like the opposite. Like every day, four hours, like three <laughs> hours plus. So even with a pitch clock and everything else, they they can't cut down on the amount of time. It's just. It's just, a, you know, but in basketball, it's like, no, let's shave six to eight minutes off each game. By the way, can I, I love this because I love that they you bring like that it back idea? to the <clears throat> current way with two minutes left two minutes in the game left, or, or, an or an overtime. Because yeah. that's when all the pressure's on. Hit, you got to right. hit those two shots. But that's also when up. coaches, that's when also coaches, you know, uh, two for one and you foul them here. We've got to foul to you know give what? and all that stuff. So this is, I don't need gonna, to test this out. It's going it to change, it's in, gonna in, change in the, the way coaches coach and um, the strategy around, you know, late game fouling. Right, because a single make or a single miss at the line is much more significant in tight tight games now. Yeah, but but then that goes away with two minutes left. Correct, so, right. okay. correct. So you know, it, no, I think don't you think it's great? I love it. I love it. So anyway, they're going to do it this year in the G League, and if it works, uh, they will introduce it. I'm pretty sure they'll they will introduce it in the NBA, which I think is great, because now that free throw you're taking that's worth three points. You don't get three shots; you get one shot. It's worth three points. <laughs> that's exciting. Which Who's, means, which means more guys will have to, will like Pascal Siakam right. is going to have to work on his free throw shooting. He's going to have to. If not, they're going to hack this guy forever, right? And if he can't make that one free throw, that's worth two or three points or whatever. That's that's much more significant. Yeah, well, I just I'm making thinking one of the, out of two uh, is the one three thing. point shot. Yeah. So you're taking the one free throw to get three points. That's a that's a significant shot you're taking. Very that's significant. Shot. Interesting. Very significant shot. Okay, uh, the Raptors, by the way, open their preseason schedule in Tokyo on October the eighth against the Houston Rockets. Uh, it's going to be a fun season. I'm not into it yet, though, Mike. I'm not into basketball yet. I'm still basking in the glow of last year's championship by the Raptors. I kind of don't want it to go away yet. You know what I mean? Well, we still get to see the the ceremony at the yeah, center. the ring you know, and, the all and all that. But I still... And until hoisting I, the, the uh, banner to yeah, the Raptors. it would be great. But again, yeah. I'm still... I mean, even in the first while of the season, even if the team doesn't play well, if they go 0-6 or 6-0 to start to... That's still not going to matter. Because I'll still be reaching back from last year and all that. But we have that forever, don't we'll, you? We'll have it forever. forever. What, if, what if they win? What if the Raptors end up winning like the NBA title again this year? Because like, think about this. Without Kawhi, they still had a, they were a great defensive team. Right. They're going to get better this year. You're going to have OG Ananobi, who was hurt during the playoffs. Pascal's going to be fantastic. Marcus Gasol's coming off an NBA championship and a world basketball championship. Right. You know what I mean? You've got Serge Ibaka. You've got Lowry, of course. So, you, I mean, they could still be. People are saying, oh, they might finish 7th or 8th in the East. I don't know about that. I think they could, might surprise, and I think they kind of like that role. Oh, no one's expecting much from the Raptors because Kawhi is gone. They're going to overlook us, for sure. Yeah, I hope so. We're playing on Christmas, you know. Let them, I know, thank <laughs> God for that. Let them, let them overlook us. All right, that is it for episode number 138 of Hebsey on Sports. And thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration, as always. Thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club. Go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time online, and don't forget to buy my new book, the great is it still new if it came out in March? Yeah. The greatest athlete you've never heard of by Dundurn Press. If you've never heard of George Orton before, line forms to the right. You're gonna want to read about this fascinating story of a man who ended up in history's dustbin rather than in the history books. George Washington Orton. 
Uh, buy it wherever fine books are sold. The greatest athlete you've never heard of. Thanks for allowing us in your headspace today. Back with another exciting episode of Hebsey on Sports shortly. Until then, so long for now.